Welcome back to the United Podcast, Manchester United nil, Brighton one. Um, I would say a disaster. Um, I was about maybe three or four minutes away from saying that was a very well-deserved point um, away at Brighton, and I'll, I'll very happily sort of take that. As I said before the game, you probably expected a loss, potentially a draw, but very happy with the draw. And the performance, I think we'll get into football as a neutral and sort of the Premier League football as an advert, and I thought it was a great game of football, and you'd say... While Brighton were the better team, you could say Manchester United, in terms of what they sort of did, he probably deserved a draw at the end in regards to the way they, they did defend. Ultimately, an injury time, thrown it away. Look, I'm not going to go over the top in criticism of Luke Shaw for the handball. I believe it was Luke Shaw. might have been Victor Lindelof. Obviously, my head was all over the shop at the time. But um, look, it's, it's one of those things. It, it happens sometimes, those handballs. He hasn't definitely hasn't done it on purpose, but ultimately, his hand is in a stupid position. And the deserved penalty, and I think Brighton did deserve to win it. While I thought it was quite an even game, um, we can't have any complaints um, in and around the result. Um, Brighton was a better team. What can you do? Well, what can we do? Manchester United can be better. That's what we can do. But we all sort of predicted this before the game. Um, Brighton were obviously going to bounce back after that FA Cup semi-final. And um, look, ultimately, it's a tricky one because we're so close to saying, obviously, we're going to be disappointed not getting a win. Whenever Manchester United play a game of football, you do want to win. But when that sort of happens, you think, okay, it's maybe not our day. Let's take a point, and that will be a very sort of positive point in the direction of sort of qualifying for top four and sort of extending that gap over Liverpool. Ultimately, we haven't extended the gap over Liverpool. Still in our hands, of course, and there's no sort of room for panic, but um, a tricky one. Um, it was so close to sort of, okay, dust yourself off and move on. Now it's um, a pressure game on the weekend. I believe it's away at West Ham, is it? I'm not sure. Correct me in the comments. I don't know the fixtures in front of me. Um, I do believe it's West Ham this weekend. So, important game, and that's good. Obviously, it's good when you do have big games to look forward to, but um, a tricky one for Manchester United to deal with. So, um, I believe Larry might be with me. I'm not sure. Um, he, he might come back on Friday night. I'm not sure. Fingers crossed he can jump on the stream. We'll see what happens. But, Box, um, I, sh- I don't share your enthusiasm, but yeah, maybe sometimes all you can do is laugh. Um only a point lost. Yeah, look, it's not a disastrous point. Like, uh, it just feels a disaster in, in my opinion. In terms, of it was so close to such a positive point. Now, only one point compared to zero loss, zero points for loss. You think, okay, it's not. It's uh, mathematically huge, but just in regards to the feeling, I thought that would have been a very positive point um, taken away from Brighton. Now, ultimately, you go away with the defeat again. Probably a deserved defeat, but um, I think it also would have been a deserved draw, if you know what I mean. So, um, Box sees a lot of draws coming. <laughs> I see in the chat. George, good to see you, as always. Um, so do let me know your thoughts on the match. And um, ultimately, I was so close to having a very good discussion about Aaron Wan-Bissaka and Matoma, which I'm sure we can still have. But um, I think the game almost deserved that to be a draw in regards to that individual battle. I think that's where the game was played. And um, yeah, I, I thought Aaron Wan-Bissaka was, okay, on the ball, Aaron Wan-Bissaka was what he was. Sometimes good, sometimes bad, but defensively, I thought he's been sometimes a little bit of heartbreak, sort of gave you a little bit of heartburn in terms of the amount of space he was given Matoma, but he knew exactly what he was doing because Matoma never got the better of him. So sometimes it looked a little bit weird how Aaron Wambasaka was shaping up, but obviously, sort of has studied Matoma quite well, and he's obviously got all the physical capabilities and traits to um, deal with the player when he goes past. So Aaron Wambasaka will get in the three, two ones in a little bit. Unfortunately for him and or for all the players, but especially he didn't deserve to be on the losing side. But that is football. It's obviously a team game. And um, Aaron Wambasaka's performance was um, you know, a borderline brilliant, in my opinion. And Matoma, I thought, played well. Uh, it was just a case of when two players do play well, one's got to come out on top. And I think Aaron Wambasaka did that today. So we'll go through some individual performances, get your thoughts in on everyone's performances, your three, two, ones, etc. And any talking points. Uh, the first talking point I do want to start on, as I said, hopefully Larry does join in and get his opinion as well. 
but um, Brighton were the better team. Okay, Brighton deserved to win. Definitely not. It didn't have an impact on how the match was played. The referee in the first half, there was a decision. Didn't even go. They didn't even show a replay. I think they showed maybe one replay. Didn't go to VAR. Although the commentators didn't elude the match. Um, the incident didn't go to VAR. But Anthony Marshall had a shot. I think the ball pinged into Marshall. He played a one-two with Fred. Fred played him into the box. Marshall had a shot and was cleaned up from behind. Clear foul, clear yellow card. It is never given. I don't know why. Answer me in the chat why this always happens in regards to if that is on halfway and a player plays a pass and then someone comes in with a slide tackle when the ball's two seconds gone, it's a clear foul, clear yellow card. We move on. No one bats an eyelid from either team. Suddenly in the box, if someone has a shot and the ball goes two or three seconds and someone comes in for a sliding tackle, it's not even looked at. It was a clear penalty, clear yellow card. And again, Brighton deserved to win. It's not blaming the referee or how the, the game unfolded. But ultimately, if we do get a penalty in that first half and we go 1-0, it is a different game. Larry could be in here, um, with us. I see he obviously, um, unfortunately. I don't want to say take great joy out of Bruno's performance, but where's um, my captain brigade playing hide and seek? Bruno actually played quite well today. Obviously, kick, as I said, Brighton should have had a lot of yellow cards in terms of the way they were um, kicking Bruno Fernandes off the pitch. Bruno, I don't think... So it had the impact on the game, but obviously in terms of the midfield, um, it was probably, Fred was obviously woeful. Casemiro was good, but obviously sloppy at times. I thought Bruno was the best at that midfield, but ultimately um, some people. Larry, good to see you, mate. You are alive? I am, barely. Uh, what right, a game. You. Yeah, no, very good. Thanks for jumping on. Um, everyone misses you, and uh, good to have to chat with someone finally. But um, good game. Doesn't have a good feeling. Luke Shaw was a shoo-in for three two ones. That's my spoiler. He was a shoo-in for three two ones, and then he decided he wanted to play volleyball instead of football. I don't know what he was thinking, honestly. It happens. It, it, it happens so often though. Like Luke Shaw or Brighton player or Arsenal, it, there's always but a how's defender. How's his hand up here? Like he has to know what he's doing. His hand no, is That's up a natural. Yeah, I'm not look. It's a deserved handball, of course, but that's a, oh. it happens. To every defender, Thiago Silva, Sergio Ramos, Rafael Varane, they all do those handballs. I'm just, it's just a natural, it's just, it's unfortunate. It's such a shame because he was having an unbelievable game, like comfortably the best player on the pitch. The blocks he was making, second best ball movement, who was the best for you? Did you see the guy playing it right back? I mean, yeah, yeah. I thought in the second half, um, he he started to drop off a little bit. And is it, it wasn't wasn't a faultless performance, I get the better of him. no, Wambasaka was really good. And look, I, I think is it Matoma? Is that how you say his name? Matoma. Matoma, sorry. Matoma's a hell of a player. I gotta say, he is a is a good footballer. I think a big club will come in for him in the summer. He's too good for Brighton, with all due respect. Well, I've been saying last couple of weeks that McAllister, I can see him in a red shirt, and I was alluding to the Manchester side of the red things, but it does look like he's potentially close to joining Liverpool. Um so McAllister, look if Manchester United would buy to McAllister, you'd think it'd probably cost 60, 70 million. Not that he's worth that, but that's what Manchester United would be charged. I'm not sure what the price is to Liverpool. You'd assume probably around 30 or 40 million, which is just unfortunately the sign of the times and how we've done business in recent years. But um, okay, so take, take McAllister off the table, then you've got Casido. Sorry, mate. Sorry to interrupt you, but um, you know what I like about McAllister? He's got a bit of character about him. Like he's a, he's a bastard, and I, I think oh, yeah. like he's one of those players where when he's not on your team, you're quite frustrated by it. But if he's on your team, you're definitely a fan. And I think if you can bring him into United, thing is, is he an upgrade on anyone we have in terms of our starting eleven? Is he an upgrade? I, I, I'm not sure. 
that's the problem. Now, if he's a squad player, I think he absolutely elevates the level. I thought Fred today kind of killed things. I thought his energy was good, but on the ball, he, Fred Fred was awful. I hate I hate going in on Fred because I know he tries hard, but you just saw it. Like we were playing out from the back in the second half there, and we did really well. And then the ball gets to Fred, and he boots it out. I'm like, what's going on, mate? He's just he's yeah, just no, like, he's, he's struggled in recent weeks, unfortunately. And look, he does provide energy, which is sometimes needed. And we do need to rotate the midfield and rotate the squad. So. So I'm not going to lose any sleep over Fred's inclusion, but ultimately when you do include Fred, you've got ladies and gentlemen, so bear with me while I get my microphone in. <laughs> but when you when you do include Fred, obviously it is going to come at a cost, and that cost is going to sort of increase the chances of the other team winning. Unfortunately, again, we do need to play him at times. Um, that's where you obviously yeah. do want to improve the squad. But um, back to front, David De Gea, um, not the greatest game. We didn't have a bad game with his feet, but he is what he is with his feet at, at times, especially against probably the best team in the league in terms of pressing. So I'm not going to sort of focus on David De Gea's performance with the ball. He's fine, but um, he wasn't saves, Edison though. or Allison. But um, saves. big saves. Yeah. That, I mean, that's David De Gea in a nutshell, isn't it, Tommy? You can talk about all-round goalkeeping, etc. In terms of shot-stopping, there's no one better, and there's no one else you want in net. When you're talking about pure shot... Let me t- let me tell you this. If that was Allison or Edison in goals today, do United walk? I, look, l- remove the penalty up until the ninety fourth minute. If that was any other goalkeeper in the Premier League, does it stay a draw? I think Brighton mm-hmm. score. Th- th- that's the difference. Like David De Gea, he's he's had some clangers this season. I believe we've conceded five goals directly from his mistakes, but he's absolutely saved more than the five goals he's let in. And, and that's the thing. Like when you're talking about Ten Hag evolving this football side. David De Gea is a player where you can say, yep, yeah, we can absolutely improve on him, but he's not crucially, it's not immediate that he needs to be replaced. I think you can absolutely get away with De Gea. Oh, it's just one of those things. Unfortunately, people don't want to accept this in terms of Manchester. The next goalkeeper we bring in, even if he's messy on the ball, the next goalkeeper we bring in, as good as he is, will fail. The first thing he'll do on opening day of the season is let it through his legs. That'll be, unfortunately, the case. Obviously, he'll have our full support. But the next goalkeeper will, will fail, just like Manchester City. When they replaced Joe Hart, they brought Claudio Bravo in. Great with the ball. Disaster between the sticks. So All Manchester right. and I do need to be very careful in regards to the, when they do decide to replace David De Gea, the preparation to understand what's going to happen. Yes, we might play a little bit of better football. We're going to concede a lot more goals in regards to when the other team's shooting at goal. And that is that fine balance you do need to find. Sometimes you might need to take that sort of gamble and take that risk and sort of take it on the chin to move forward. But ultimately, I mean, in a results-based business, um, that's where Eric Ten Hag's hands are tied. It's a difficult one. Like, I agree with what you're saying in in principle, but I I think with a more technical goalkeeper, United probably keep a bit more possession. So if you're keeping more of the ball, then perhaps you don't concede as many shots on goal. So it's, you know, it's, it's one of those, like, at the end of the day, whenever you choose a certain type of player or a certain style of play, it's about risk versus reward. The reward might be high, but also the risk might be high. I've got to say, um, look, I'm always for a civil chat in here, and most comments are sensible. Andrew and Tad Bakes, I don't know whether you're both feeling emotional today or what's going on, but to suggest that this squad does not deserve Champions League. Sorry, lads. Come on. It's a, it's a poor result, but it was one where if you set a draw at Brighton, that's a good result. That's a good result. And at the end of the day, we, we lost it in the 95th minute. Like, it's this squad's been unbelievable. Let's not take away. Last, last season, squad didn't deserve Champions League. But at the end of the day, the ladder doesn't lie. And over a 38-game season, you will end where you deserve to end. And at the end of the day, United are in top four. And I think we will finish top four. Look at the table now. 
Look, it's still in our hands, obviously, and a couple of wins will get us there. But obviously, Liverpool are in good form. I assume now Liverpool, just in terms of the pressure and this time of the season, they will win every game uh, remaining this season. So I think we played still need three wins, I believe, um, to get enough to get over the line. Um, Liverpool are applying that pressure. I don't think Brighton. I think they're a little bit too far behind. Spurs are Spurs, so they obviously won't be in the race. But um, Tricky one now in regards to that top four because a win today would have been just huge. It would, it would have just said, okay, win against West Ham and, yeah. fall and, and you're in the top four. That's not the yeah, case now. Sure. So while, while confidence is still there, uh, we don't need to be looking over our shoulder, but we yeah, have to I, now. I think a draw would have been a good result. I mean, let's not take away from Brighton. Like, they're a good football team. They really are. And they've gotten some big results against other big teams this season. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't think we're right to say we deserve or we had to get the three points today. Like, Brighton are a difficult football team. Every time we verse them, it's a difficult yeah. game. So, like, sometimes you just got to, like, there was a few seasons ago where Wolves just had Manchester United's number. And Brighton have almost replaced what Wolves were. But it's it's a Styles fight. You know how they say, like, Tommy, are you a USV fan? Styles make fights. Brighton at the moment, because United are in this, like they want to press, but they're not quite capable of doing it. And they want to play out from the back, but they don't have all the players capable of doing it. Because United are in that transition of trying to solidify their identity, Brighton got their identity down pat. And they've just got the perfect prototype or the perfect answer to United's questions. I dare say if United get the players that they want, you'll find that Brighton pressing against us won't be as successful. And that's simply addressed by improving the caliber of player in that team. You replace Fred with Frankie de Jong. It's a different game. You know what I mean? Yeah. And of course, like, you know, you could apply that principle to all teams, but in essence, United will buy better players. And when we buy those better players, the football we play will be better. So I think we just need to take this result with a grain of salt. This isn't the end of the world. Like you said, top four is absolutely in United's hands. But what I will say is, West Ham is a three points game. That needs to be three points. It, yeah. That cannot be a draw. United have to beat West Ham because if we if we draw, or even manage to lose, Liverpool with their momentum could absolutely kick United out. I think Newcastle will finish top three now. They're flying. Yeah. I think fourth is ours. I think it, we have to finish in, in fourth position, we and to. we got to beat West Ham. Definitely. The, the thing that worries me about West Ham, I have a feeling, just a hunch, will be in our green kit, which obviously doesn't um, fill me with much joy. But box with a shout here um, in regards to, look, a lot of tongue-in-cheek, um, find some humour where we can. One nil away at Brighton is actually one of our better away results against some of the big teams. And in regards to performance as well, you compare it to what we have dished up away from home. Um, yeah. If you want a glass half, half full, um, there's your caveat there. And... Um, SJ, good to see our home form should get us over. You'd hope. And look, a lot of people, Andrew, there will buckle. I hope not. So, again, in frustration after a game like this, I can understand the anger and frustration towards the team. This team's done very well this season. Obviously, we're not the finished article. So, you were at the start of the season or throughout the season, we know results like this are going to come. Even after wins, we say, oh, yeah, but we'll do this eventually. We'll lose here. We'll draw there. We'll drop points here. When it comes, or if it's expected, we shouldn't lose our shit when it happens. So we need to be prepared for this. And um, look, it's no, t definitely not taken away the frustration and emotion towards it, of course. But um, it's just a disastrous feel to the end of the match. But ultimately, in regards to our position, um, it's still in our hands now. Um, we might be having a different discussion in two or three weeks' time. Let's hope Eric Ten Hag and the players um, fix up and, and put it right. Because that is part of whatever journey, whether football or whatever, 
you have to sort of accept and sort of prepare for these sort of setbacks. Um, the biggest and most important part is um, bouncing back when it does come and what Eric Ten Hag has shown this season when there is a blip or a little bit of a downfall, he does fix it. Absolutely. And that's you stole the words out of my mouth, mate. At the end of the day, every time we've... I don't think United have lost back-to-back games this season. Uh, outside the first two games of the season. I think that the goes in the point here, Ted, saying not emotional, just saying the same thing happened for too many seasons with the same players. I believe this season has been far better than recent seasons. I, I believe this season Agreed. under Eric Ten Hag is different. Agree. Agree. And uh, look, let, let's, let's address the elephant in the room. After United beat Barcelona... Our season has dipped off a little bit. I'm not going to deny that. I think that there is an element in these players' egos, and I'm not saying like I don't think it's a it's a conscious thing. I think it's a subconscious thing, where they've beat Barcelona. You know, you've beaten the uh, the best team in La Liga this season, and and I just I feel like they feel uh, some of these players think that their season ended there. It, it feels like that a little bit. You know, I, I just we we just haven't played the same football since. It's also off the back that around that time we all knew that around Barcelona, all those fixtures back-to-back or playing every couple of days, we said it's going to tail off. Now suddenly it is tailing off. Well, we all predicted it. And it's one of those ones. For, it's a tricky one. But um, there's another comment, another comment here um, I want to bring up from George before we get into three, two, ones. You can throw Fred into this discussion because Fred has shown these um, traits over since his time at Manchester United. Um, our Brazilians, um, we're going to talk about Casemiro needs to keep his cool. Casemiro, Anthony, and again, you throw Fred in there if you want. In regards to Brazilians, Casemiro, he easily could have had another red card. And Anthony, it's a red card, way. not that it deserved a red card, but you couldn't have any any complaints if you get sent off for that kick. Uh, it was across the shin. I... Oh, but it it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a deliberate. Moment, it's but... not an attempt at the ball. He, he, he kicks at a player. He doesn't kick at the ball. So ultimately, if he gets... If that's away from the ball in the same action, it's a red card. So he's very lucky. Yeah, yeah, I get it. And um, this is where I come back to. I, I like the characters. And again, look look at the players getting into the thicker things. It's the players that Ten Hag has bought. He's bought characters. He, he's not just bought footballers. Like Casemiro, character. Uh, Anthony, character. I like Anthony. Like Lewis Dunk. Come on, mate. You're, you got a whole foot taller than him and you're staunching up to Anthony. Like, get out of here. You think you're a real man? And Anthony didn't take a back step, did he? Just... Shoulder bumped him. And then Fred with the tackle on his own player. You know what? I've got to say credit to Fred there. It was a yeah. smart thing to do. He pulled his player away from getting in trouble. So yeah. uh, good move. Good move. But uh, oh, definitely, I think Tad makes a point here, which I do agree with. And not so much in that instance, just in terms of the feeling around the game in general. I do agree with Tad here saying, um, I think the red cards are playing on Casemiro's mind in regards to, I think he feels whatever I do, I'm potentially going to get sent out. And that's sort of taken away from his game a little bit. I don't think I don't think so, mate. <laughs> he's going in a tackles like he doesn't. Oh, have yeah, a, no, he's still right. maybe once or twice going in. But like I just think sometimes he's usually done that ten times a game, or so sometimes if it's the sixty-four to the opposition and he's the forty, he'll still go in and try and win it. And now he's only going in if it's fifty-fifty. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think he's been better the last two games, Casemiro. I must say, and I thought he came up with some really crucial blocks today. Uh, I think. United without Ericsson on the pitch just don't really look capable of progressing the ball well. That really, like, does that worry you at all? Like, I just, I feel like unless Bruno plays deeper, but then you lose what Bruno offers you further up the pitch. But when Ericsson doesn't play, there's just, United really need a player who can get a ball off the back four and just progress the ball better. I like Casemiro, but he's not that player. I thought this game called for, uh, actually, uh, again, very easy in hindsight, 
I would have called for, over, for Sabitza over Fred in regards to that type of role in terms of defensive energy point of view. But in regards to getting on the ball, I think we did miss Ericsson, especially when you compare it, unfortunately, to what Fred offers. But um, George here is Ganacho fit. Ganacho looks like he's in and around training, and or is Donny coming? Donny will still be a few months, unfortunately, off the ACL surgery. Well, so, Donny, Donny, does anyone know what he actually injured? Like, they never told us, this kept it quiet. My hunch was ACL. could have been a broken leg, but I think it was ACL. Actually, no, it would have been ACL sore throughout the week. Um, they released a behind-the-scenes footage of him at Carrington and um, definitely had the scars of a ACL surgery. So, um, yeah, yeah, Donny van der Beek won't be until well into next season, unfortunately. Lissandro Martinez looks um, the recovery is going well, um, but he'll still be out until next season. But it does look like Rafael Varane um, comes back quite soon, Larry. Yeah, uh, and that will be timely because I think if you can move Luke Shaw back to left back where obviously his best position and I put Varane and Lindelof there in the defence, I think United will be in good stead. And, and I think that's a very solid defensive partnership um, that can see us through. And we need it, you know. If Varane can make himself available before the end of the Premier League, I think we could absolutely do with some experience and calmness at the back there. Even with Lindelof and Shaw, I guess I'll ask you the question, Tom. Um, you can't, like, do you feel 100% confident? Like, I, I think you're looking at them as they're doing a good job for backups, but you're, they're not filling you with absolute confidence. Like, Shaw's been I, I, doing I, well. I think it's where we've felt. Hey? Yeah, I, I think that's our sort of initial emotion towards this towards this group of players. Good. Okay, we just need a little bit better, and those good can become good on the bench. I think we're, when we've had to rely on these players for so so many years, and okay, that where have they consistently got us? They got us to fourth, maybe sixth, maybe seventh on the ladder, maybe a semi final. Okay, that's good. But to make that next step, we need a little bit better than good. So I, I think we know know this about these players, and it's going to take time to fix um, or or to address. But um, George here, Donny yeah. said he's coming back soon. Uh, I think that's just lost in translation. I'll be back soon. Um, it's still be a while, Donny van der Beek. But um, fun three. <laughs> Petrus brings up a point. Rashford is so selfish, not worth a new contract. Well, I think this season he does deserve the contract. But Bruno Martial, Fred, hopeless. Eric Ten Hag is always cheap. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I couldn't disagree more. Sorry, Petrus. Um, don't don't agree at all. But obviously entitled to your opinion. But Rashford in the front three. I don't think he had a good game, but it was where something okay, was going to happen. So. Yeah, he, he's so dangerous. Like, I liked, uh, I liked, I'd like to see United use Martial on the left a little bit more. He, he had a moment in the second half where he just he beat a player with such a just different it, it, players. This, this goes back Martial. to the here we are again. No, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. No, no, I want to make clear. Like, I think he's a number nine. I think he's a number nine. But I want to see more fluidity between those two because I think Rashford is definitely capable of scoring goals centrally, which we've seen this season. But I think it would just cause a it would cause a bit of a question mark in the defender's mind because Rashford's obviously dangerous, but he's dangerous because he's so zappy in terms of his pace. When you put if you, now if you rotate throughout the game and you're a fullback who's conditioned yourself to back off, and then you put Martial there for ten minutes in a game, Mar, you back off Martial, he'll beat you because he's just got quick feet. So I think it, it would I just would like to see it be a bit more fluid because I think if you have moments in the game where you can do that with Martial. Um, then I think that makes United a more dangerous opposition. But who, who gives the better show and who gives the better um, display? Wambasaka versus Matoma or Wambasaka versus Rashford? Ooh, that'd be interesting. I think Wambas. I think. I think Matoma is not, not, not that I want to see it. I, I don't I have any Matoma's great desire to see it. I think Wambasaka would handle Rashford. 
I mean, fingers crossed we don't get to see it. Hopefully they stay as far away on the pitch as possible. What's your answer to that? Yeah, my, my opinion will change every day. I think Rashford, obviously, in terms of the way he plays, I think would get in a more dangerous positions against Wan-Bissaka in terms of, okay, there's only if Wan-Bissaka just tries to stretch and doesn't quite get it, he's obviously gone, so Rashford's then passed him. But I think Matoma obviously has that intelligence and creativity in regards to giving one or two other problems to um, Wan-Bissaka. I think, yeah, you put Matoma in a very good team in terms of link-up play around Wan-Bissaka, maybe a little bit more dangerous, but 1v1, I'd probably hey. fancy Rashford. If United want to buy him, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have any qualms saying. Hell of a player, man. I like him. Yeah. He's a player. No, he's very a good player. here, but my only concern. Even, um, the Paraguayan guy. He pissed me off. Oh, yeah. I wanted to melt him, but he's a player no. too. Cisco. No, that's a, a very good player. A, a few names there, and obviously yeah. Evan Ferguson signed a new contract. But obviously, very Danny Welbeck. I thought had a solid enough game. Obviously, not claiming for him to come back, but obviously, a very good team. Brighton, very good club. Would you take Danny Welbeck as a backup? I would. I actually would. I really would. Oh, of course, you'd take him over Vercorst. Of course, not just for the Manchester United bias, um, but just yeah, in terms of his traits. Obviously, you'd, I found that's a it's a no brainer. You'd obviously obviously it's not a possibility. But um, yeah, Vercorst came on, and he actually he won a header today, Vercorst, which I was Bless. surprised. I kind of Amazing gave it a little stuff. bit of a cheer. But um, yeah, Tad, Tad Tad yeah, agree. Couldn't agree more. Smashing it. My only concern with the Matoma is. I've seen Mkhitaryan be brilliant. And Mkhitaryan was actually very good at United. Just it didn't work out for whatever reason. I've seen so many of these great players come to Manchester United and just well, think, oh, yeah, okay, maybe not at Man United. And that's not to say Matoma wouldn't be brilliant at a big club. I've just seen it so many times before where they do come to United and they sign that big contract and their, their mindset changes, the the environment changes. And just That's I not to say it wouldn't happen, though, but just who knows. Yeah, but the example you've used, like Mkhitaryan was good for United. I think under a different manager, like again, like this yeah. is the Jose syndrome, right? If Jose likes you, Jose likes you, no problem. But if Jose decides he doesn't like you, you're done for. And and I think Mkhitaryan was just a victim of that. I mean, let's put it this way, Tom. If Jose stuck around, Luke Shaw wouldn't be at Manchester United anymore. And I think what you've seen Luke Shaw evolve into over the last three or four seasons. I mean, he had a poor season last season, but who didn't? Outside of that, I think over the last three seasons, Luke Shaw's been really good. And I think you could, there's definitely an argument to say he's the best fullback in the league or best left back in the league at least. So, you know, you can't, Mikatarian under a different manager might, maybe has a bit more luck. In terms of Matoma, I think he's a bit more direct, a bit more pacey than Mikatarian was. And he's proven it in the Premier League now. So, it's one season, which is a very valid point. Let's see what happens. Maybe it's one season too soon for him to move on. But uh, look, if he was a backup to Rashford, <laughs> like the yeah. quality player to bring in. Uh, definitely. Well, we'll get in the three, two, ones. Um, if you're in the chat, please do leave a like on the video. Over 20 of you in the live chat. So get those likes. I'll be very much appreciated. Now, three, two, ones, Larry, you did mention in terms of, okay, take away the handball. We're looking at Luke Shaw's performance. I thought Victor Lindelof had a solid performance. David De Gea with some match winning saves for me. It, look, unfortunately, it didn't result in a clean sheet, but it has to be one Bissaka. It's just in regards to as a neutral, and which I'm not a neutral, and the furthest thing from it. I'm sure at any neutral watching at home, I did have a scroll through Twitter at halftime and a little bit through some of the injuries in that second half, and I did have a scroll through Twitter and everyone. But there was just memes and photos going around about Matoma versus Aaron one Bissaka. I, I thought we can't sort of go back and enjoy it now for what it was. I think if we could, you could go back and watch. Look, it wasn't Keen Vieira or something like that. It wasn't a battle in, in that context. But in regards to a football in battle, I thought it was brilliant. And ultimately, you'd have to say, okay, not collectively as a team, but individually, um, the stats would say Wan-Bissaka won that battle. 
Yeah, and I, like in terms of Wambasaka's performance, could he have done more to push United over the line? And the answer is no. Uh, I, I can I say I think going forward he, he he's improved a lot. I think yeah, his no. first touch has improved a lot, and he, he's being he's better at playing in tight areas. Not perfect, but there's been a clear improvement in his game. So credit to him, he's clearly done something behind the scenes. Yeah, look, I, I wouldn't have any qualms with Wambasaka. Uh, I think you're right, and and if that again. Nah. All due respect, I rate Wambasaka higher than Deloitte personally. Um, and if you disagree with me, that's completely fine. I can understand your arguments. But if that was Deloitte at right back, I think it's a different game. Mm. So I, I look at it that way. So Wambasaka for three points, hell of a shout. Can I say, I yeah. think Casemiro deserves points. I thought he came up with some absolutely crucial saves. Um, Casemiro, yeah. it'll come into my discussion for potentially one point, but Emad brings a point up here and it goes into my um, shout for two points. Um, City and Liverpool in the discussion will happen a little bit earlier. City and Liverpool both have conceded goals directly from keeper mistakes. I saw a stat or not a stat, you went through some of the goals and sometimes when a goalkeeper makes a mistake for another club, it doesn't go down as a goalkeeper mistake that leads to that goal. But it, it, like nine times out of ten, if a shot goes in against David De Gea, it's classed as a goalkeeping error. And I just think he's very harshly treated in regards to some of those stats and what's considered a mistake from another um, goalkeeper compared to what he... And that is obviously Manchester United and the, the I don't want to say agenda, but yeah, <laughs> agenda against De Gea at times. So he's unfortunately treated a little bit harshly there. But in my opinion there, David De Gea now ultimately haven't won, so they're not match-winning saves. But... Um, if it wasn't for the penalty, um, it would have been. T- or if that penalty didn't go in and earlier on in the match, um, if to have it, David wasn't points. making those saves. Um, I think it's still three 0 to Brighton. Yeah, no, De well, Gea was awesome today. He really was, and he does his job. He he saves so many shots time and time again. David De Gea deserves points. I think the three two ones are really straightforward this week. I got to be honest. I think in terms of the three players most influential on the pitch, Aaron Wambasaka. Casemiro, David De Gea. You, you put him in whatever order you like. But at the end of the day, I think those were heads and above every other player on the pitch. I think Lindelof deserves a, a notable shout. Uh, but I thought, you know, those three. And again, Luke Shaw, if it wasn't for the bet, just he is the sole culprit for the penalty. And just for that reason, I just I can't give him points. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a match-losing contribution. So, look, I, I do agree. I'll go one sucker for three points, David De Gea for two. Um, again, not match-winning, but obviously a very good performance, especially in the goalkeeping department. Um, a few people talking about um, the ball playing. But, um, yeah, I agree with Casemiro for a point as well. Um, what are you looking in regards to the, the future? Not the future of this midfield, obviously. Can you can you sign a Frankie de Jong or sign a new midfielder and that changes the dynamic. But yeah. all roads lead to an FA Cup final. Obviously, we do have to cross this hurdle and get in the top four, of course. But in my opinion, and or in, in my mind, I'm definitely looking, how can we win this FA Cup final? So I'm looking at Manchester City's fixtures. Okay, which player can get injured in this game? Which player can be suspended for this game? I'm starting to look at the yellow cards. I'm starting to look at um, when the Champions League final is and sort of who's going to be rested for that sort of thing. So... That midfield three against Manchester City. Um, just your thoughts. Okay, Casemiro picks himself at the base. Bruno Fernandez, Bruno Fernandez is going to play. Then you're going to look at that number I think eight position. Play on the right against Man City, you know. But I don't oh, think yeah, Ten Hag has the luxury of. Uh, I don't think Ten Hag will think that way. He needs to secure top four, so he'll choose his best team every game until then. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 no, no doubt he'll do that. But in regards to us as fans looking at um, Manchester City, in terms of the, our midfield, in terms of its strengths and weaknesses, in terms of <laughs> Manchester City only have strengths, um, how do you sort of line up that midfield at I, the moment? I think you need to put players in your team who are capable of keeping the ball. And I think you need to get players who can help United on the transition. Against Manchester City, United's best 
strength or best asset is pace in behind. Simple as that. So you need to set up in a way that allows the likes of Martial and Rashford to get in behind. I think those two must start. Um, so with that being said, I'd, I I think you you look to bring Anthony off the bench. I think you're looking for a spark if you can stay competitive in the match. But I think Bruno, you'll find, will start on the right. And I think the midfield three that game will probably be Casemiro, Eriksen, and Sabitzer. What's the point? Um, Box brings up here. Yeah, uh, Rashford out wide with. Um, oh, sorry, Bruno Fernandez out wide with Rashford, with that midfield midfield three: Casemiro, Eriksen, and Sabitzer. Uh, I yeah, completely I agree. agree. Uh, well, I don't know. My, my opinion will change ten times before the match, and I'll um, definitely change come what, match day. If McTominay could find a way to get himself fit, I wouldn't be against swapping him for Eriksen. I, I wouldn't, because I think at least to start the game, because I just think you you need to have a solid base in the middle there. They just dominate the ball so well. And Ericsson, for as brilliant as he is on the ball against Man City, will be found out defensively. I think they'd absolutely look to target him there. So I think United, when they versus City, need to think, let's not concede for 70 minutes and nip a late one. I think that has well, to be I, like- I definitely think one of McTominay or Fred, if either of them are fit now, obviously my bias would lean towards McTominay. But just in regards to one or the other, I think Ericsson, Argy, both... If both are available. Um, they'll both be up for selection in regards to next to Casemiro. In regards to, as you say, that job to keep us in the game. And let's see. You, you don't want to say kick and hope. Our hope against Manchester City will be Rashford in behind Kyle Walker. That, that, that'll that be the hope. Okay. And in, even in the first game, Manchester City were brilliant. Uh, not not the first, well, obviously the first game. They smashed the six passes. Game, yeah. But, but in, in the match we won at Old Trafford, Manchester City were brilliant. And we were literally just getting the ball. As great a moment as it was for us, we were literally just getting the ball. Bruno, kick it as far as you can to Marcus Rashford, see if Manchester City make a mistake. Yeah, and, and let's be honest. The first goal we scored in that game... Oh, it was clearly offside, yeah. Clearly offside, and then, yeah. Manchester City uh, were brilliant on that. How we won that looking back at it. Look, and obviously what a moment it was for us fans, the players, and Eric Ten Hag. But, um, yeah, Manchester City are, are unfortunately... Um, in a league of their own, um, obviously starting to sort of stride away in a title race, which um, brings it up its own sort of concerns and dilemmas for Man United fans. But um, yeah. just your latest feelings in and around, I don't know where you want to start the discussion, them winning three titles in a row or the three titles, unfortunately, in a season? Uh, well, at least, I don't know. i got nothing. They're a good team, man. What can I say? Credit where it's due. If they pull it off, hell of a football side. I mean, oh, I, I, I just a, don't see. I don't see how they don't do it. Yeah, I don't, I don't see, see how they don't do it. I, I, I've got to be honest. I think they're going to slap us in the final. I really do. Oh no! Like, look, unfortunately, very likely. Yeah, it, it is, um, we're leggy. Yeah. We're 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 waiting for the end of the season. You can see it, and and that that concerns you. Like they, they look the other way. They look like they've been rejuvenated by something. Maybe Pep's got them on some peptides or something, but. No, in all seriousness, they've hit a new gear and they look up for it. United, it's funny, in the at the earlier part of the season, United were making comebacks in the second half. Now, if we're not ahead in the if we're not ahead by half time, you're not giving us a hope. Because we're tired. This debate this debate here from Box and look up. I would side it in a public debate. I would side with it on Twitter in regards to defending Manchester United, but this is a completely different podcast, completely different topic. We could set aside an hour to have this discussion, just in football in general. No bias here, but quality of football in the Premier League Champions League was higher in 99 than 2023. I tend to, I, I can fully see where that argument is from. 
ultimately any sport football evolves that the football's far better now uh we, we don't like to admit that it's far better it's far more technical it's far faster that these players now would absolutely smash the players in 99 that's that's natural better. i think it was more competitive in well, yeah. thus why well, the, 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 the but then you also get in the but then you also and i don't know which is the answer but in that competitive debate let's just take the premier league what's a more competitive league a team who gets 100 points 101 points or a team at the bottom of the table sort of does that show higher quality if a team gets that amount of points yeah, or is, but shouldn't it be a more competitive league if the team in 20th is taking points off the team coming first isn't that oh, more no, competitive? No, like, that's the one i'm agreeing with yeah so uh, like at the moment what you're seeing is the top sides are taking more points from the sides at the bottom whereas if you look at 99 united won the league on but is, that, but is, but is that because those top teams are far more of a higher quality like they're just no, that far I think the quality of the bottom teams is less it's a bit but of we, both. But of we day, want to buy those players at the bottom for 50, 60 million. Right? That's well, how good they are at the bottom. Because they're coming fresh into the championship, like from the championship into the Premier League. But this is the point I'll make to you. If you look at Manchester City's squad when everyone's fully fit, you could put two strong starting 11s out. United in 99 couldn't do that. I think you could rotate a good chunk of those players and still have a very strong team. But you're not looking at who, who's bottom of the league. Um, Southampton, um, the young midfielder they used to have at Manchester City. Um, he's a Southampton midfielder. Starts with L. I've had a mind blank. Everyone's raving about him. If someone will know in the chat. And James Ward Press, if we wanted to buy the two midfielders from Southampton, that'd cost 60 cents. And obviously, if they go down and the contract situation will change. But if we wanted to buy them, we'd buy them for 60, 70 million. That, that's what Manchester United will be charged. I'm just thinking that's good quality at the bottom of the league. Yeah, but I think if you have one or two good players in a team coming 20th, you can still get relegated. Like, you, you, the basis of your squad needs to be strong. And and I also think, I mean, Tom, I've got, I've got a perfect example for you. If you think of the 90s and early 2000s, even up to 2010, think of how many top strikers there were just in the Premier League. Name 10 top strikers in world yeah. football right now. They're just not around. There's not many, you don't have many top goal scorers anymore. There's not many players who score 20 plus goals a season. Yeah. So I think the fact is you're seeing more team, you're seeing more goals now, but you're not seeing more top quality strikers. And the thing is that I remember when United lost, I think, I think was it who was it against? It was it was in the 11 12 season, I want to say. I think the Raphael twins played in midfield. United lost 3 2. I want to say it was against Watford or Wolves, someone like that. The New Year's and game. It was during boxing. I think it was a Boxing Day game, and there was a striker started. He's um, African player started with a Y. He scored Yakubu? sixteen goals. Hey, Yakubu. Yakubu. He scored sixteen goals. Blackburn. That was the day yeah. this club changed. He scored sixteen goals that season. Blackburn was shit. He scored Don't bring sixteen that game goals up. that season. All right, but no. But do you see my point? You had a striker who could score sixteen goals in the Premier League, who was a side getting relegated. That was the difference. Now you go to the bottom sides, their strikers aren't even on seven goals. So my point is that the quality of strikers and the quality of the squads has dropped between the top sides and the, and the, and the bottom sides. Hmm. Well, look, it's a debate you could have a football debate. Maybe we'll have it in the off-season in regards to it is interesting. Well, makes a good point as well. The standard of centre-backs as well. Again, the, the yeah. standard of centre-backs has dropped off. Yeah. Oh, definitely. But then, the, like, again, I completely agree. But then you could maybe swing an argument to say, well, because of the better football in the midfield, in terms of that sort of outweighing strengths and sort of exposing sort of weaknesses that would have exposed the other centre-backs or something like that. So it is an interesting debate. I'm sure we'll have 
many of those in the off-season. But um, before that, um, before the off-season, all the transfer market stuff and ownership, we do have plenty more football to discuss. It's got West Ham, I believe it's 4 a.m. on Monday morning, which is um, a beautiful thing. There's a Man United fan here in Sydney, but um, we definitely will be here with the previews, reviews, etc. So make sure you do hit that um, subscribe button, hit the notification bell so you do know when we go live. Do appreciate everyone joining us today. Hit a like on your way out. We very much appreciate it to cheer us up after today's disappointing defeat. And um, Larry, I would say go and enjoy your Friday and weekend, but Man United fans aren't in the position to do that this week. Oh, that's a down on time. It's all right. We'll turn it around against West Ham. I hope everyone has a great weekend and don't listen to Tom's negativity. Not in that green kit we won't. Fingers crossed we wear the white kit. But until then, have a good one and we'll chat to you soon. Cheers. Cheers.